Hello, Christ City. Uh, welcome to our third video message uh, here since we've begun our, our period of isolation in Vancouver. Uh, it's my joy to bring you today's message. We're in Matthew 6 yet again, and we've just finished up our section, Matthew 6, 1 to 18, where Jesus has been teaching us about a, a wholehearted love and devotion for him that, that puts him and his glory first, that seeks the glory of our Father first, in our giving, and in our praying, and also last week we heard from Jake in our fasting. And throughout this section, Jesus has used uh, one phrase in particular that's been repeated several times, and it's this. In chapter 6, verse 4, verse 6, and also verse 18, he says, Your father, your father who loves you, your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. He will reward you. Jesus has been, he's been talking uh, over and over about this way that God is the one who sees in secret and the one who rewards us as we wholeheartedly serve him first. And now in our section, in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24, the passage we're going to look at this morning, uh, Jesus picks up that language of reward and he adds to it. He builds on it. He kind of brings this whole thing to a climax as he prepares to transition into the next section on the Sermon on the Mount. And he uses a language of treasure, not just of reward, but of treasure. And what he wants to show us is this. He wants to show us that only treasuring Jesus and his kingdom now with our whole hearts will lead to our security forever. Let me say that again. Only treasuring and loving and living for Jesus now with our whole hearts will lead to security in Jesus' kingdom forever. And what I am praying for us, Christ City, as a church this morning, is that as we see Jesus' words, as we hear them, that we would begin to believe them. That we would begin to have confidence that Jesus has promised something and that he will deliver on his promises. And my prayer is that that would lead us then to a faithful, uh, generous obedience as we walk in this world, wholeheartedly serving him as our king and living for his kingdom. So, three points. We're going to look at where is your treasure, number one. Uh, Number two, are you whole? And number three, the difference the cross makes or why the cross makes the difference. We're going to jump in right away at our first point. Where is your treasure? And I'd ask that you look at verses 19 to 21 again with me. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, Christ city, there your heart will be also. So in this passage, Jesus is contrasting really the security of his heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, with the the things of this world, with the the kingdom of, of this world. And as you've probably been experiencing, the kingdom of this world is not that secure. I've been thinking about it all week Uh, and comparing it to like that that tissue paper that I have on my counter and I go to grab a Kleenex but my kids have been at it and it's actually wet because it's close to the tap and they've got the Kleenex all wet and I try to pull out a Kleenex and it just falls apart in my hands. The kingdom of this world, uh, the stability of this world that we live in is shakable. It's not very solid. You've been experiencing that. 
And throughout history, this has been the case. Throughout history, we know that, that empires, every empire that has been, has come to an end. And throughout history, uh, billionaires have gone broke. Throughout history, homes have been broken in to, and, and the treasured possessions of the family, the treasured handed down heirlooms of a family, have been stolen. Throughout history, uh, people who seemed healthy and secure in their physical bodies have died suddenly, and their health has been insecure. And as we know, even today, uh, throughout history, stock markets crashed. And everything that has seemed so secure on earth that we trust in, it's liable to fail, and often to fail suddenly and uh, against our expectations. So, Craig City, I say all of that, but it's not theory for you. This is not just abstract for us right now. We know this. I know that many of you this week have experienced uh, a shaking in your lives that you never thought would have come even three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, you would have thought, man, I've heard something about some virus somewhere. I had no idea uh, how significant it would be. And you had no idea that it would affect you and touch you and shake your life today. You know what we're talking about. In Christ City, the thing is, in contrast to that, Jesus is saying that his kingdom is eternal and unshakable. What good news. In contrast to this shaky world, Jesus says his kingdom is unshakable and secure. And he says this, he says, Lay up then for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know what? Jesus doesn't speak these words to us as an empty promise. He speaks these words to us, guaranteeing them on the basis of who he is. It's kind of like this. If I were to walk into a bank and say, hey, on the basis of who Brandt is, give me a loan, uh, they'd laugh at me. They'd laugh at me. They know uh, that it's not going to be that great if I ask for a significant loan from them. On the other hand, if Jeff Bezos walks into a bank and says, hey, give me a loan, they're going to try and do all they can to give him as much money as they possibly can because of who he is. Because he can guarantee that he'll repay on the basis of who he is. And in a similar way, Jesus says this to us, but he can guarantee what he's saying on the basis of who he is. Because who is Jesus? Jesus is the second person of the triune God of the universe. He is the one who has all power and all authority. He's the one who, Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says, rules the kings of earth. Jesus is the one who Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 17 says, he created all things. He upholds all things. He was before all things. Everything exists through Jesus. Jesus is the one who in Revelation 22 verse 7 and 20 verse, 22, 22 verse 12, he says to us, he speaks to us, he says, behold, I am coming soon. I'm coming soon to establish my kingdom in permanence on earth. I'm coming soon to judge and to do away with all that is wicked and has opposed me and is evil. I'm coming to reward and to bless those who love me, have longed for my appearing, have longed to see my face, and have trusted in me. Jesus' kingdom, Christ City, is 100% secure. And he warns us, don't set your heart then on the perishable things but on the imperishable. Because if your heart's set on the perishable things, then the, the problem is that you're going to perish along with those things. So Christ City, here's the question. This morning, 
let me ask you, where is your heart? Where is your treasure? What has this past week been showing you about the location of your treasure? About the location of your heart? Your job and your health and your finances, they've all been shaken. And as they've been shaken to some degree, you and I have been shaken along with them because we too have been placing our hope and our confidence and our hearts on those things. And we've been shaken as well. I don't know if you're like me, but I assume you are. Uh, there's been many times in the last couple of weeks where I've gone to bed anxious. I woke up a couple of times with this, this anxious knot in my chest, given all that is going on. And that's revealing something about me. It's revealing that to some degree, I'm putting my hope and my trust and my heart and my confidence in the things of this world that are shakable, that are shakable. Suffering reveals the location of our treasure. But Christ City, hear this. I think, I'm confident, that this season is actually a gift for us as a church. It's a gift for us because Jesus is showing us and gently just, just unpacking for us where we've been hoping, where we've been putting our trust, where we've been putting our treasure, and he's showing us that it is not stable. And in his love for us, he's beckoning towards us on the Sermon on the Mount saying, come to me, don't trust in that. Put your hope and your trust in me instead. Come and store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Live for me wholeheartedly. Live for my kingdom. It will never be shaken. In Christ City, Jesus says this to us because he wants our whole hearts. He wants all of us. He wants a wholehearted devotion from us. And as we look now at our second point, are you whole in verses 20 to 24, Jesus is going to start to press in just a little deeper with two examples to see where is our heart? Are we whole? Are we 100% trusting and, and living for Jesus and his kingdom? Or are we divided? Is there a division in our soul between this world and God? Uh, we're going to look at these two examples right now. Look at 22 to 23 with me and see what Jesus says. Uh, the first example he gives. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The first thing Jesus does is he asks the question, are we whole? As he starts to talk about this thing of our, our eyes being the lamps of our body. And yes, that's strange language. It's really weird. Uh, it's really difficult to understand. We probably don't have access to really the full meaning of what Jesus was saying today, 2,000 years later, because he's using some idioms that were common, some figures of speech that were common, and ideas that were common in his day that just aren't common in our day any longer. So scholars really disagree about what he's saying here. Uh, that being said, the gist or the heart of what he's saying is still pretty clear. And the gist is this. Uh, in that ancient culture, they understood that the eyes were actually like a window into your inner being, into the, the deeper person. And Jesus is prodding us and he's asked the question, are you whole? Do you have a healthy eye? Is the inward person somebody that is devoted to God and wholeheartedly living for God? So they live and they use the, the resources of this world in this rich and this generous way in their service of God and his kingdom. Or are you somebody who isn't whole, who's divided, who has an evil eye? And who tends to use the, the things of this world selfishly, turning them inward to themselves and drawing all that they can towards themselves uh, versus uh, in service towards God. 
And the thing is, Christ City, uh, here again, the reality is that trouble and adversity reveal the sort of eye that you have, whether you have the whole and the healthy eye or whether you have this evil eye. When adversity comes, the, the person that has the evil eye, they withdraw and they recoil in on themselves. Hardships come and they isolate, they just do everything they can to kind of preserve themselves. But the generous and the whole person who lives wholeheartedly for God, they start to, to live and emit the light and the glory of God, even in hardship as they live generously for God and for their neighbor. They are light in a world of darkness. That's the first thing Jesus says, uh, here prodding our wholeness and, and asking how we're doing a, in our inner person. But the second thing he says about wholeness is in verse 24. Look there with me, and it's a little bit clearer for us, and we're going to spend a little bit more time on it. He says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So I want to illustrate what Jesus is saying here this way. Uh, back when I lived in Kentucky, yes, I lived in Kentucky, if you didn't know that. Back when I lived in Kentucky, I went to one of the horse races during derby season. Not to derby because it was too expensive, but I went to a different uh, horse race uh, with my wife on a date one time. And I placed what's called a box bet. And what a box bet is, is this, is you make a bet on which horse you think will come first, but also which horse you think will come second, or you can go down the line, third and fourth and fifth. And then you also bet on each combination of those things. So I bet that horse A would come in first, horse B would come in second, but also the reverse. And I bet $5, and I ended up winning, uh, winning $75, and it paid for my date. And I thought, this is pretty good. i got to do this more often. Uh, free dates if you go and make the right bet at the horse races. Um, but Jesus, I think, is saying here, he's saying that, that when it comes to life, when it comes to living in this world wholeheartedly for God, you can't do that. You can't make a box bet on Jesus and on this world. Hey, if, if Jesus, if he turns out to be going the right way, great, that's awesome, I win. If this world turns out to be what it is, I win as well. You can't live your life for this world and have a little bit of Jesus insurance in your back pocket. Christ City, Jesus is telling us, you can't serve two masters. You can't Live with your heart set on this world, serving this world, and hope to be a faithful and loyal, wholehearted and whole servant of Jesus Christ as well. Jesus says a person who tries to do this, they will either, they'll hate one master and they'll love the other one. They're going to be devoted to the one and despise the other. So Christ City, here's the question. What master are you serving? Are you serving Jesus or are you serving the things of this world? He's asking this question. He's saying, are, are you divided in your loyalties? Are you just filled with division as you seek to, to live for the things that are around you? Or are you living wholeheartedly for Jesus? And I think the case is that when, when we examine our own hearts, we tend to know what those things are. We feel them. What is pulling you away from Jesus? What is drawing your attention away from him right now that he's asking you to lay aside, to put to death in order to serve him wholeheartedly as a good and faithful servant that he would love to reward? He's throwing down the gauntlet at us. He's saying, okay, here it is. Are you going to serve your, your bank account or your career? Are you going to serve your health? Are you going to serve uh, your goals and your vacation plans or your recreational activities? Or are you going to serve me? 
Are you going to serve me wholeheartedly? Jesus must come first. No one can serve two masters. So Christ City, I think that we know what this text says. Matthew uh, 6, 19 to 24, it's not a super complicated text. It's a really hard-hitting text. And in one way, we could have just read it and prayed and stopped and just finished the sermon. It's pretty clear to understand. Jesus is saying, treasure him, treasure Jesus and his kingdom, and you'll be secure. He's saying, live wholeheartedly out of service for your master God, and you'll be rewarded. But what it says is plain. Sure, that's great. But, but we know, you and I know our hearts. And we know that, that even in this season where what we were trusting in is being shaken, we still have this impulse to keep looking to the things of this world for our security and not towards Jesus. We have this problem and we wonder, can I trust Jesus and his words? Will he really reward me? Will it be worth it if I give up what I have and bet on Jesus 100%? Will he deliver? Can I trust him? Well, Christ City, we can trust Jesus. And you know what? He's proven it to us. He's proven we can trust him because on the cross, he has proven his commitment to bless us. On the cross, he's proven his commitment to bless us and to abundantly shower us with his grace and his mercy and ultimately his rewards and his treasure. In John chapter 10, uh, verse 11, he says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I love the flourishing and the well-being of my sheep. I am leading them towards the greenest pastures. And I am the kind of shepherd that doesn't run away, but that lays down my life in order to secure those blessings for my people. I'm willing and I'm able to do it. You know, when I was growing up, I had a friend uh, at the church that that we went to or through the church that we went to um, who had leukemia. As a young boy uh, I knew, and uh, he needed a bone marrow transplant. And his, his sister, his young sister, stepped forward to be the donor, to be the bone marrow uh, donor. And the thing is, bone marrow, bone marrow transplants, they're, 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 not a, uh, they're, they're, they're nothing small. This is a significant uh, thing to do. It's not a, a fun and an easy thing to do either. But nobody would look at that girl. Nobody would say, hey, do you really love your brother? Because she's proving her love for her brother by willingly entering into a small part of his suffering in order to seek to bless him, in order to seek to have him flourish and have his life increase. You'd have to be crazy to doubt her love. But Christ City, Jesus has done so much more for us than this girl ever did for her brother. Anglican theologian John Stott, he writes this. He says, I could never myself believe in God. I couldn't believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who is immune to it? You see, on the cross, Jesus has shown that he's not immune to our suffering. On the cross, Jesus has shown he's not immune to our pain, but he has willingly entered into it, taking it upon his own shoulders in order to save us from it and to bless us. He's shown his love and commitment to us by willingly laying down his life, being spit upon and mocked. The God of the universe mocked and spit upon and beaten and cruelly crucified. 
He showed it to us by going willingly to the cross to not just die a physical death, but to be uh, the object of the just punishment for our sin from God poured out upon him on his shoulders so that we could be forgiven. So we could have all the rewards of the blessings that are earned only by Jesus who is faithful in our stead. On the cross, Jesus shows us that he's a savior who willingly pours out his blood to wash us clean and to cleanse us from our sin. Christ City, to be clear, money hasn't done that for you. This world has not done that for you. None of the things that you've been trusting in up to this point that are shaking all around you have shown you any faithfulness or love or permanent security. But Jesus shows you his love by laying down his life. He gives himself to you. And if that's true, you can trust that he will reward you. Paul talks about this in Romans 8 verse 32. He says this from the perspective of the Father. He says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The cross proves God's commitment to bless his people. The cross proves Jesus' intention to bless and to reward you, and you can trust him. You know, Matthew 6, as I've already said in the introduction, it's full of this language of reward and blessing. Jesus wants to bless us. He wants to to loosen our grip off of the things that won't be blessing for us and draw us to himself so that he can give us what is true blessing and abundance as we serve him willingly with full hearts. One commentator, Jonathan Pennington, on Matthew 6, he writes this comment. He says, There is no doubt Jesus is offering staggering and sure rewards that are treasures from God himself. So if this is true, Christ City, how will you live? How are you going to live today? How are you going to live tomorrow and this week? How are you going to live? Jim Elliott, who was killed in 1956 as he sought to bring the gospel good news we've been talking about to a people who didn't have it, he famously wrote these words in his journal. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Your life is short, but eternity is very long. So which will you choose? Will you store up treasures on earth that will fail you? Or will you store up treasures in heaven with Jesus who has already shown his commitment and his love and his intention to bless and to reward you? Grace City, as we respond to this message this morning, I want to encourage you. Take this season where you are self-isolating to seek the face of Jesus, to learn to love him more, to trust him more, be in the word, be in prayer. Seek his face. Seek his face. Seek to treasure him and love him for who he is. I encourage you also to join us in our Wednesday uh, prayer gatherings. At Christ City Church recently, we, we started this thing on Wednesdays at noon. We're joining as a church citywide on Zoom. Uh, the link is on the website. To pray together. To pray that, that we would be the sorts of people that seek God wholeheartedly. And to pray for the city that, that the city itself would start to see the good news about Jesus and believe it and trust it. That many would be saved and come to know Jesus as we know him. 
Let me encourage you as well to take a look at our morning devotionals. You can start the morning off uh, each morning uh, hearing a word from 1 Peter to encourage you and to begin your day in prayer to seek Jesus' face to seek to wholeheartedly live for him uh, beginning in the morning. Let me encourage you also to call one another. Encourage one another. This is a season where you can begin to live your wholehearted devotion to God by serving each other. People need to have a phone call from you. There's someone you can call to encourage and to love. There are those in your community group likely who need your generosity. If you have means, would you give to them? And would you give to those around you who are in need to shop for the groceries of your neighbors, to care for them in the ways that you can? Christ City, Jesus calls us to live wholeheartedly for him, our master. And because of the cross, we can be confident that he will certainly bless and reward us abundantly. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.